0: Have you ever wondered who is responsible for the songs you hear on the radio? Thousands upon thousands of artists pour their hearts and souls into work that most people will never know even exists. What separates the hits? Every week, I sit down with the songwriters responsible for some of the biggest songs that sweep the world to find out, how did they get there? What was their journey? My name is Gary Young, and this is The Big Break. For this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Bruce Wayne, a legendary hip-hop and R&B producer, whose worked with superstars like Frank Ocean, Common, 50 Cent, and more. Bruce started out peddling mixtapes on the streets of Brooklyn, and as life crashed around him, he found a way to flourish. His secret weapon? The power of cultivated relationships. And treating people right. So, Bruce, I just uh, before we before we get rolling um so so this is the inaugural episode of the podcast i wanted you to be the first person we talk to because it is because you're the man number one number two i uh i think this podcast is uh ostensibly called the big break and it's about how you how everyone gets started because the there's a lot of mythology around artists' first big break, but there's nothing around songwriters and producers and how they get started. And it's really about the business of songwriting and producing. And so why I wanted to talk to you first is because, and you, can, you could agree or disagree, but I think you are an entrepreneur that just happens to be good at writing hooks and making beats.
1: <laughs> you know. Um yeah uh, I think anybody who gets into the music industry as a songwriter and a producer you are technically an entrepreneur have to be because you have to no one's paying you you have to um, be self-motivated every day um, and that's that's largely because you have, largely because you have to love what you're doing yep you know? yep and, and, um, and you kind of figure out the business as you go right
0: hopefully right that's the. Yeah. You're
1: constantly you're constantly pivoting. You're constantly figuring out what works best for you. Yep. The partnerships you need to, to have to to win. Um. Else, as an entrepreneur, you have to. Um, you're gonna get some money. You got to figure out how to pay your <laughs> taxes.
0: You yep. yep. How yep. to keep
1: the lights on. You know, cash flow problems.
0: Yep. <laughs> you mean, yep.
1: You know, borrowing money, paying people yep. back. Debt, cash flow ratio, all of that kind of stuff. So,
0: so, I that's so. What I want to do is, I actually I want to start with a with a young Bruce Wayne in Brooklyn, going by Thief in the Night. Wow! Because I suspect <laughs> that is is that is that the beginning for you. Yeah.
1: I, I started off as a rapper. Yep. And um, my friends convinced me to be kind of part of this rap group okay and then um which i loved and then i kind of somewhat became the leader of that group and then somehow we got investment from some from someone and then we started releasing records independently
0: okay so now what is this 99 earlier like when are we talking yeah it's like
1: around like 99 like ninety. 90 um wait 90 nah this is like 97 97 okay okay and it, we started um when did wu tang wu tang was like what 93 That's, yep 94 mm-hmm yeah so like we were we were a group kind of like around the time when wu tang broke out and we were like yo we gotta do this we gotta look mm-hmm. for investment okay then within like two years, we had investment, and we started who,
0: pressing who, Who, well, who believed group. in you guys so early? We were,
1: called, we were called Us. Us. Yeah, okay. like the movie that just came out.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And I, had, the group was me, my twin brother, and all my best friends. Like three of the guys lived on my block. Everybody was from the community, mm-hmm. and we all were from East New York and Brooklyn, all okay. of us. And we first were called uh, The Dungeon
0: okay okay
1: and then um this is around the time where lyricist lounge mm-hmm. um you know srs um what was it wu-tang mob Deep, like everything was coming back to new york at that time yeah and then and, um and then because jay-z dropped his album in 96 but we were bumping jay-z in 95 94 because you know biggie was around and we were you know, I knew everybody. We were in the streets, so we knew everyone. I was hanging around with like everybody before they were somebody, you know. So we were all running around, so we just was inspired. So um got some investment eventually. We started putting out records and then we sold sixty thousand units independently. So I oh. made my first money. Yeah. And, and the way I did it was we had mom and pop shops, mom and pop record stores mm-hmm. all around Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island. Bronx, um, Mount Vernon, um, like just everywhere, there was a mom and pop store. We had we had records there.
0: So how did how did you how did you do that? How did you get those records in those stores? Was it you driving them around and then going in and pitching them?
1: We drove them around. We put them in our the backseat of our trunk. We would yo like each crew, each member in the group, we get a certain amount of CDs and go different places, okay. drop the records off. And then boom, then I would go around weekly and collect money.
0: Okay, that, was, that, that was my next question. You know, was, how are you?
1: I was a drug dealer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. And then, so, um, no, so you're going around, and so everybody, you know, your brother, your friends, everybody from from the neighborhood has got their weekly allocation, and they were so the the whole the whole crew was basically distributors, and then pushing it out to every store.
1: Yeah, right? we were okay. Empire before Empire, was Empire, yep. United Masters. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, and, and the way we marketed our music, they were they had these uh, video shows on these stations where we call like BCAT, like, like local television channels. Okay. And there was a guy by the name of Bobby Simmons, and it was like Ralph McDaniels. And what they would do is we would just hang out with them Tell people to go buy our shit. They would play music on the station, and people would Mm -hmm. be watching these music videos. And in between, we cracking jokes, running around, blah blah blah. People would see our logos on everything. We were plastered everywhere. We had stickers, and we just focused on the tri-state.
0: Okay, okay.
1: And then, you know, we made a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
1: And then then the investor at the time, you know, he was definitely a blessing. Gave us what we needed, but it was also kind of difficult to work with because. Um,
0: how did you? How did you connect? You don't have to name names if you don't want to, but how did you connect with him?
1: Oh, um, one of the biggest lawyers in the game is um, Alan Grubman. Okay. Yeah. The law firm is Grubman Mandursky, mm-hmm. and um, his wife, his ex-wife at the time, she had multiple sclerosis, and then um, his daughter. And his daughter was Lizzie Grubman. She was, like, a a big publicist at the time. Mm -hmm. So a friend knew Lizzie, and another friend knew, um, knew, um, what was her name? Shit, that's fucked up. I can't remember her name. (laughs) Anyway, I met something introduced us. She was going to invest in us, but then she also needed a partner, so she introduced us to this other investor. And then what happened was, um, she just fell in love with me. And I would just hang out with her. And she had, like, multiple sclerosis. So I would go hang out with her while she would ride horses and shit. (laughs) I would just come see her and hang out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just liked her as as a person. And -hmm. she liked me. And then she was like, I'm going to make it happen. And then she connected me with this investor. He got on board. He liked our vision. And he just started rolling with us. Okay. And then next, you know, it happened, like, they had a falling out or something, but we didn't know. And we were spending Mm. a lot of time with the investor. And then that's, that's how we met. And then, you know, yeah. we did agreements and signed. We, we just, I think my agreement was shitty. Like, I think I signed some fucked up agreement. You know what I mean? Like, but I didn't care. Like, I was like, yo, I'm getting this money. Yeah. Literally, literally we would be like, yo, I need $1,000 to go buy this. Boom, boom, done, done. Move. We had studios. We had, and then we had like, a, it was all based like in the lower East Side. Okay. So I was always like, like around Fader, Cornerstone, mm-hmm. so I was always around. It was like around in that area. Um, Hot ninety seven. Um, I, I was. We were in the mix. We was in the middle of everything. Yeah. So after a while, we made it like a real serious buzz for ourselves, and then saw that really, like, really do well. Then you, you got me like reminiscing.
0: We're going back, going way back. I love it. So, so, so then you're. Um, You've got a buzz going in the tri-state you're focusing on growing your retail distribution right yeah. then then so then what happens with us next
1: what happened with us was um wanna one, one we did a show in virginia and um it was on like this military base i wasn't actually there but then like um it's like a huge fight or something like that and then um all the vehicles and everything got federally impounded. Um, a few of the members caught cases, and then the and then one of the cars the investor gave one of the group members his car, and he took it.
0: <laughs> oh man! So the feds so got it.
1: Oh yeah, man! The feds took his truck. Then it was like we weren't doing anything wrong, but he was just like, "Yo, I don't need the feds on my ass." Like what the fuck? Like what's going on? <laughs> And then, yeah. you know, one thing led to another. We got into like a huge argument and then it was other things going on that was really frustrating. And then um he started getting really, really, really tight in regards to the money. So for example, everybody was tasked to like distribute at least a thousand dollars worth of music. Okay. think throughout the week and then boom, I would pick up, I would get the money, I'll bring it back, and then we were like, yo, we gotta be recouped. Like we gotta we were cool, we got to start putting some money in our pocket. And he was like, nah. We were like, yo, what the fuck? How, how are we supposed to survive? We can't even get here. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I don't give a fuck. And then, so that just shifted everything.
0: Mm. And then, it's
1: kind of left. You know what I mean? I just kind of like, just left. I just said, fuck everything.
0: So now, so you left the group, but did you leave the area? Or were you still in...
1: Well, at in that time, we were, like I said, we were making enough money and stuff like that. I bought my first house, and okay. I, moved, I moved to Bed Stuy, and then, um, and then I met a woman. We fell in love, and then, um, then I, I had a I had a baby coming. So okay. my, everything just kind of shifted for me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that we were all friends, so the group didn't really mean anything. We would all still be friends, but just the business part of it and that whole situation just was getting messy. It was like. It was like I wasn't making music. I was too busy worrying about too much business. And it was just, I just needed to get out from under it. And I didn't go about it the right way, but I kind of, I went about it the only way I knew at that time.
0: Okay. And what was that?
1: I just
0: cut ties. Ghosted. Done.
1: I just cut ties. I ghosted. I told the investor, fuck you. Don't ever call me again. Whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. I was like, yo, fuck with me. I'm going to have niggas run up in you. (laughs) yeah <laughs> run up in your house like saying stupid shit and just being ignorant about it or whatever and i was like yo i gotta i gotta feed my family i gotta figure this shit out yeah and, um and he kind of he just after a while he just left me alone okay you know? and then um and then then the crew everybody kind of was i don't say split in the park but it was getting really 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 stressful because we weren't making music it was like we was worried about just a bunch of like everything else was happening besides music.
0: Okay. It
1: Was like, yo, we got the feds on here. This person got a case. I gotta go back and forth here. Yo, we gotta go here. Nobody got any money. I gotta take money out my pocket. Go to this. it. Was just. It was just. It was just too much. It was too many mm-hmm. people. It was just. Then there was people. Them, the studio got robbed. It was just a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so just, you left. So you're. I mean, at this point, you've, you've. Uh... You've got a kid on the way and uh, boy or girl?
1: girl? Girl,
0: girl. Girl, okay, okay. And so it sounds like it's a, sort of a dark place because you'd, you'd been crushing it with music and then all the complications set in. And now you're like, okay, I need to extricate myself from this and figure out what to do next, yeah. right? So what'd you do?
1: What I did was Pro Tools came out. During that Ooh, time, okay. So I, started, so I started to learn how to do Pro Tools because I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I, I I need to do this. Something was like, I need to figure this out. Okay. I figured it out, and then um, and then I started to realize. Then like my, my daughter's mother, she well my ex wife she, she knew Talib Kweli, and then somehow she connected me with him, and then he heard some music, he loved it. And he was like, yo, I wanna buy that beat. I was like, buy Uh the beat. I
0: was
1: like, like, yeah, I was like, "Uh, okay. I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. So I called her, she had a friend who was a lawyer, also an entertainment lawyer. And then he told me, oh, he wants to purchase it, blah, blah, blah. He broke it all down to me. And then I was like, yo, just handle it for me, and I'll just walk through the process with you and show me what it is, explain it to me. And then, boom, I sold the beat for $5,000. And then he was like, yo, you're the producer. And I was like, producer. And then I clicked in me, I was like, wait a minute. All that music that I was making for the for the team and the group, us, I was like, oh shit, I've been producing. I've been recording the session. I've been figuring out how to get it all done, how to master it, mix it, all like I'm like, oh shit, I'm the producer. And then um, I started, then I started to dig deep into what production meant. And then I started to study guys like um, Barry Gordy. Um, uh, um, well, of course, Quincy Jones. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like you don't actually really have to touch the music all the time. You could literally just, oh, I get it. I can either touch it or not touch it. But in hip-hop, you kind of touch it. So I was like, oh. So I started to understand what a producer really meant. Mm-hmm. And then I started to learn that back in the days when producers, they would actually have the money and put out the record, too. So I started to realize, like, oh, I've been producing. Yep. And then, then Puff was hot as a producer. Jermaine Dupree was hot as a producer. Dr. Dre, hot as a producer. So mm-hmm. though, so when I looked at people making music, like, even though I love DJ Premier, I, I didn't look at him so much as a producer because Dr. Dre had the group. He was making the music. He's running the label. He's the producer. I was like, that's that's what I want to be. That's yeah. what I want to do. And then Kuali connected me with Common. And Common okay. connected me with Erica Badu. And then everybody that was in Brooklyn during that time, I started making music for and getting paid.
0: That's and a beautiful started, thing.
1: Yeah, just started to connect. And, and then I started to realize, like, oh, so this is how it works. And then I was like, yo, I need a manager. Because again, mm. that's what you're reading and you're seeing. And mind you, no one's guiding me. I'm just like, Reading every magazine. Yeah. I'm talking to as many people as possible. So I was, I needed a manager. And there was a guy by the name of Tony Perez. Tony Perez, he managed, He well, Alessia Cara assigned to him now. So okay. he managed all the producers and he lived up the block for me. I don't know how I knew that he was a producer for managers and yeah. how he lived up the block for me. I don't know how I knew that. But around the time when I was doing it, my partner, Swift, he wasn't my partner at the time. I was, a re- there was a studio, maybe, you know, up the block, up up the block from me as well, too. And um, he was like an in-house engineer for them. And okay. for like a year, I would go back and forth to the studio because the artist that had the deal, I would write the hooks for him. So okay. I would write hooks, lay out ideas, and then Swift was the engineer, and blah, blah, blah. And we wouldn't really talk. It would have like, I'd be in and out. I wouldn't. Whatever. And then one day I was like, yo, you know, Tony Perez, he was like, yo, I'm trying to get with Tony Perez. I was like, oh, all right. What you know about him? Because I was really just, again, that's how I was learning everything. I was just asking people anything like, yo, you know, Tony, yo, you know, this, mm-hmm. I was just, trying, I was, I was, I was hungry. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, I gotta, my kid is going to be here. <laughs> I mean, yep. going? And mind you, all of this stuff started happening within that year. The minute I met Kuali, everything just, it just started happening. It happened it, fast. It happened super fast. I was, I was working. So what was cool is that I owned the Brownstone, but my job, I had a regular job. I used to work for Planned Parenthood doing HIV and AIDS awareness. And I live I worked in my community. So literally I would walk up the block, go to work. I had staff and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I'll do my shit. And, I would, and the way it worked is, you had to do eight hours. That was it. So I would go in at 6 a.m. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'd be up to mm-hmm. 5, go to work at 6, do my shit. I'm out at 3. I'll go run down the block, and I'll go to a session with my dude, write the hooks, come home, eat, see my girl, blah, 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 boom, just, I was, because I, I knew at night I had to be home just in case if she had to have the baby. Yeah. So then um, Swift was like, so to, to, to digress, Swift was like, yo, can I go with you when you meet with Tony? I was like, yeah, why not? It's all good. Yeah. I told Tony, I said, Yo, Tony, I'm bringing Swift for me. He was like, Who's that? I told him, I said, Yo, he just beats a dope, blah blah blah. He, you know, he's my man. We've been, you know, like I'm just bringing him. He was like, Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, we go sit with Tony, and Tony started working. He was working out of his house, but he was thinking about partnering up with um, Blue, Blue Williams, Blue Williams okay. managed Outkast at the time and um, right. like Blue Cantrell and a lot of artists like that. So he had mm-hmm. some kind of deal. So Tony was like, so, hey, guys,
0: no, wait. look. No, no, Bruce, I don't want to pause for a second. How did you, because I mean, this Tony guy was this almost mysterious figure in the neighborhood. You knew he was there, but you were trying. But how did you get the meeting with him?
1: Because oh, it just, oh, like, happened, how did that oh, happen? Yeah. Oh, like what happened was with me going back and forth at the house. I'm remembering all this stuff while I'm talking to you. Yeah. Through that year, through that time going back and forth the house, um, the guy who really owned that house and who managed that artist, he did, um, he did, he produced music videos and he worked with Hype Williams. Okay. So to give you an idea of Bed-Stuy, Fort Greene, all of Mm -hmm. that, all of the creatives just started living in that area. Okay. I didn't know that at the time, but every i don't know what it was but everybody lived blocks from each other and you could walk so literally you'll go to certain spots and you run into people you'll be like oh shit that's also ancient. yeah you just, everybody lived in brooklyn at the time that's you know? awesome yep and then they were building up dumbo dumbo is like kind of like what williamsburg is now yep so everybody who had money started moving into that area and i was i used to i used to box so I used to go to the gym at, at go to the gym like at, in Dumbo and everybody would be there like guys like Zab Zuda, um, like all of the hot young boxers they, they would all yeah. be there so it was like if you did music you you kind of moved in that circle indirectly and then all the drug dealers moved around music and all the athletes everything was around music so you could play basketball and then run into people it was just it was really really weird so While going back and forth at that house, there was a guy named Jim Nice. He was interning for Steve Stout.
0: Oh, man. Okay.
1: And then I didn't know who Steve Stout was at the time. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. So he was interning for him. And he was like, yo, I just got these beats from Tony Perez. I was like, yo, I've been looking for Tony Perez. And he was like, (laughs) you want to know Tony? I was like, yeah. He was like, I'll connect you. Because mind you, I was writing hooks. I was always Mm -hmm. there. So it was like, they couldn't tell me no.
0: It would have been really awkward if they did, right? You were you were too persistent.
1: Yep. Yeah, but also I'm making music for their guys. Like his best records are the hooks that I'm writing. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yep. so Bruce is the hook guy, you mm-hmm. know? And I know how to use Pro Tools. And I'm from the streets. So I knew everybody. So it was like, yo, like, I can't tell Bruce no. You know what yep. I mean? Because if, if they have problems in the streets... I could literally make a phone call and be like, yo, yo, what's going on? Like if somebody got their, their chain stolen, I'm the guy who would get the chain back.
0: So you were the Fixer Pro Tools producer. Yep, yep, yep.
1: That's who I was. I was that guy. And when I was doing – and when I was putting out records independently with the investor, I paid a lot of people for a lot of things. So like DJ Enough, I had 97. I paid him to do an in-store. Um, Angie Martinez, I produced – not, not not later on but like Angie Martinez like I would um pay people to come to come to things because we wanted everybody to know who we were so we spent money in the right places mm-hmm. so I kind of knew everybody without knowing everybody in the industry but I knew everybody in the street so it's kind of like the dots always connected somehow like yo how do you know Bruce oh Bruce is from so-and-so oh he knows that person oh, all right cool I give him a pass let him in you know he do music right what do you do he produce. everybody wants a beat Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started to realize, like, oh, being a producer is the shit. Like, yep. So cool. So that's how I met Tony. I met him through that interaction in that house, and and yeah. they were like the first guys to ever have like a music studio in their house. Nobody was doing that at the time. Okay. It was it was like groundbreaking, like
0: yeah, like Pro Tools. At the same time.
1: And yeah. then Jim, and then um a guy by the name of Jay Grant. Jay Grant is a music executive now. Yeah. He, he's like a radio promoter and um, he used to do college radio too. So we got really cool with him. So I just kind of, everybody kind of flew through that house and in, in a lot of places I hung out, I was always there. So music guys would be like, yo, Bruce, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm with him. Yo, you with him? I'm like, yeah, that's my man. All right. So they felt safe. Mm-hmm. There was like a block party or something like that. You know what I mean? I had all the girls... I knew all the girls, I knew all the drug dealers, I knew everybody. Because yep. when you do music, it, remember, I wasn't doing music as a producer first, I was running around as an artist. Mm-hmm. So I'm, And I'm spending money, I'm moving around, and boom, 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 and I, I'll i just show up, you know, I'll just be like, yo, I'm doing a music video, yo, we need to use your car, like, it's like $300, come on, come rock with me. Hi, mm-hmm. right, Bruce, you know? Yep. yep. Kind of yep. And then the drug dealers and the hustlers will be like, yo, they got girls here, then they'll be like... <laughs> Why not, you know? So it was kind of weird. But that's, long story short, that's how I met um, Tony. I got Tony's number and the connection. Yeah. When we met with Tony, Tony said, Bruce, I don't like your beats, but I love your hooks. Okay. Yo, I like Swift's beats, but his beats don't, I like his beats with your hooks.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, you,
1: You guys should work together. Would you guys do meetings together? And then I was like, you don't like my beats. And and then Swift went, nah, nah, Bruce beats a fire. Listen to these. And they were beats that Swift mixed. And then he was like, yo, that sounds different. That's your beat, Bruce? I was like, yeah, it is, right? I was like kind of surprised. And he was like, why does it sound so good? And it'll sound like shit. (laughs) He was like, and Swift was like, I mixed it. He was like, wait a minute. Bruce, you write hooks. You make beats. Swift, you mix. You're a DJ and you make beats. You guys are like soup the nuts. You guys can do all of it. And we looked at each other and I was like, I guess so. So he was like, yo, y'all should really do meetings together, is that cool? I was like, yeah. Yo, within a month, we were in every a rs office.
0: All right, let's take a quick break because I want to tell you about something that's very cool. So a few weeks ago at Royalty Exchange, we launched a new tool called Know Your Worth. And Know Your Worth is a free app for songwriters, producers, and artists that allows you to get an advance in 90 seconds on your back catalog. We have paid out more than a million dollars in advances since we launched this tool a few weeks ago, and it takes just 90 seconds. So if you want to check it out, go to Worth. RoyaltyExchange.com. That's worth.royaltyexchange.com. It's completely free and you could find out how much you can get in advance in a minute and a half. Let's get back to the show.
1: Okay. Every AR's office, we went to every meeting anytime, stood out in front of the buildings. We met with everybody. Every, when I say everybody, everybody. I finally met Steve Stout, I met everybody. Trackmasters, they was killing it they was doing all of those albums like um best of both worlds with jay like i started to be like oh shit now i know what's really going on and we were like i was literally where people would be standing outside of the building i'm literally walking in now i didn't i didn't know that hustle without having a tony perez
0: so now so he was the one who kind of framed and shaped you guys at least gave you the idea to, to become a team and then start showing up in a&r offices
1: Exactly, because um Tony used to be a producer, he used to work on the Jelly Bean. So okay. so he understood it and he moved to the management side. So he, I guess he saw a lot of us in him, you know? Mm-hmm. And he kind of made us like his pet project in a way. And um and then next you know, he um next you know, um we read a lot of the ARs, I knew some of them because they were all from the streets. Mm-hmm. So there was a guy by the name of Dino DeValier. He's the one that signed the cash money deal at Universal. Okay. So Dino was like, yo, Bruce, yo, Swift, yo, I'm going to sign 50 Cent. Yo, give me all of your beats. He was like, 50 Cent? Whatever. Yeah. So we gave him, like, every CD on the planet. We were like, we don't give a fuck. We need a placement. That's all we would We just need one placement. Yeah. That was it. We don't care. And then, like, maybe, like, and then while that was happening, we were running around. And then next, you know, 50 Cent called us and was like, uh, I knew Sha Money. I knew Sha Money because he was a producer on the Trackmaster, so I would run into him all the time just okay. moving around, and then he was like, yo, you need to hit 50, you need to hit 50, but I never put two and two together, and then um, Dino just kind of connected that for us, and then next, you know, 50 didn't do the deal with Universal. He was getting super hot doing the mixtapes, and mm-hmm. then um, he, he called, told us one day, like, yo, I want this record, this record tw- This record called 21 questions, is going to change my life. Can you hold it for me? Never... Never, you know, don't don't play for nobody or nothing like that. This is okay. a, almost a year and a half before he even did anything. So we were like, all right, cool. So mind you, so mind you, all of this shit is all happened at the same time. Baby mm-hmm. on the pay. Um, <laughs> so now running around, going to meetings. Fifty Cent got this. This person got that. Then we started doing we started doing spec work for Sylvia. Oh,
0: okay. and,
1: and then that's when things started to really connect. Because next you know, 50 Cent's Hot, he announced, um, you know, uh, his deal, Mm -hmm. you know, we heard the album for everybody, next you know, Wankster comes out, next you know, it's that, it's that, that winter, and then, you know, In the Club is out, you know what I'm saying? Remember, there's not, there wasn't this huge window before then, because of the movie, then yeah, he came right behind that. And then we were like, oh, shit, this is about to blow up. We learned again. We already kind of knew how to produce agreements went because we did so many independent deals. Mm-hmm. We hired a lawyer for both of us. We came together because we used to have two separate lawyers. We got with Scott Belcher that changed. That was a huge, huge change for us because he was a really big lawyer. But he really sat down on us and started to teach us the business. And I okay. just became infatuated with the business at that time
0: what was the biggest thing like what was the first sort of oh my mind's blown that Scott taught you guys when he sat down
1: he started saying like oh you could get this 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 and you could do this this and this and this." And we were like it's really that simple like he was like yeah you get a hit record you should go for a publishing deal get some money finance what you want to do or you guys can have your own label if you want your own label we're like label like now mind you I came from that so I'm like so break this down blah 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 and then it wasn't really like blew my mind it was just more like oh this is real like this can really yeah. happen like and then um and then next year, you know 21 questions happened and w- what was kind of different was that after the song blew up it started while it was moving everybody was calling us but they weren't asking us for another beat like 21 questions and Tom, Interesting. like, Tony was like, yo, guys, you guys are in a great position because everything that you've done from all the spec work with people, all those beats, all that running around, people didn't limit us to that song. They didn't want mm-hmm. that again. They were like, give us a hit. Because we had that beat. Yep. And then next you know, records just started going. We're going to studio with Nas, and then next you know, we're doing Bravehearts. Um we you know, some beast for Jay, he cut something and we're like, okay, boom. boom. Like it's just start, you know, oh, like yeah. it just start happening. And you're like, Oh shit. Like, Oh, he cut that. Oh, he cut that. And you start to realize how much work we did in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But what, what blew my mind was like the decisions that we were making. Like I was like, I had a crew when I was doing us and yeah. I was making all the decisions, trying to figure it out. And, and I had an investor and no disrespect, but he's like a white guy you know, and, you know, from the rock and roll ever, don't know shit, and he's just like, whatever, and we're just guessing it. Where here's Tony, who failed in a lot of ways, and listening to him, he saved us five years. Then me and Swift, where we're actually both, we both bring something to the table. We're both like, well, I'll do that, Bruce. Okay, I'll do that, Swift. All right, mm-hmm. I'll go get in. Like, when, when, we, when we got in the studio with artists, I worked with the artists we're drinking, we're having fun, we're talking shit, I'm playing the yep. beats, getting their feel, and then while they start working and doing whatever, we know what they want, so we literally have another room going and boom, we're making beats on the spot. Yeah. Yo, and I lay a hook to it. Yo, you like that hook? Nah, Bruce. I'm like, what about this? They're like, oh, that's dope, cool. Ideas, like just, yeah, blowing ideas, and then we'll have full songs laid out for them. Beat, hook, 16, 16 bars open, hook, 60, the songs formatted, ready to go. Yeah. We really got into our groove on how to make a record.
0: Now I get a question. I, I want to read you a quote from Swift, and, uh, and I want I want your take on it because I think it's I think it's an interesting encapsulation. So, if it was up to Bruce, we'd never finish anything. If it was up to me, we'd never start anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so again, I'm am I'm, I'm like. Swift just loves to make music and make beats. Like he can just make beats and whatever. He don't give a fuck. Like he's yeah. like, whatever. Me, I never really finished the beat. I would always have like a skeleton. I mm-hmm. never finished the beat. I would always be like drum. We would do, we were using 808s when nobody else was using 808s. Okay. I have a beat, 808, boom, one sound, boom. And I'll just move on to the next thing because I'm doing so much shit. My, I'm like ADD in a way, like just uh, I'm, I'm bored to I'm move on to the next thing. Oh, I'm bored and yeah. move to the next thing. Oh, I don't know what to do next. I, I can't sit there and rack my brain Well, Swift will literally make a beat from start to finish and just get it done. And he's mixing while he's making the beat. I didn't have that luxury. So for me, it was more like ideas. And I yeah. noticed that whenever I put like a vocal on it or I put something in it, it changed it. It made it into something else. Or Swift will make a beat and I'll add something to it and it will change everything. So those ideas, when an artist would come in, they love the ideas because it's not done. They're like, yo, mm-hmm. what's that? I'm like, Well, oh, I can finish that. Oh, word, you need a song? Okay. Boom, 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 boom. So they'd like, oh. So they felt a part of it. You know what I mean? And then Swift yeah. will mix it in a way where it's just knocking. It's just... Even though it's not finished, it's knocking. It's just like, yo, what the fuck? This is just it sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it, it'd be knocking, you know. And so, so what Swift means is that like I'll start an idea, somebody'll like it, and then Swift will take it and start finishing, glossing it, make it sound great. Boom. And then Swift, he'll just he doesn't know who to give what to. He'll just be like, I made that. He 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 hates making shit for people like that. Okay. That shit. Me, I like that shit. hmm So I like that process and shit like that. You know what I mean? So and plus two, you know, there was a lot going on. Like, you know, like Pharrell and the Neptunes was popping, Kanye was popping, Swiss beats popping, Timberlands popping. It was like, like, where do we fit? And these are the guys getting the money. And then when you're sitting with artists and you're looking at what they're gravitating to and we don't have that, I'll be like, now let me just make something for you from scratch. Boom, deal done yep and then and then they'll watch swift mix it or they'll watch it they'll be like yo these guys are like really making records so and anytime we did that is when we had big songs yep you know what i'm saying so so he's dead he's dead on with that quote like i'll never finish it because i just get bored too quickly and there's nothing to like oh that sounds great what do we oh let's you know what I mean? Like let's let's mm-hmm. well let's do that. I'm inspi- I'm more inspired by things. I'm not like Swift is very militant. You know.
0: Yeah. Focused. We'll,
1: we'll focus. Get it done. Yep. He'll knock out fifty beats and he don't give a fuck who it goes to. He just I got fifty beats. Somebody's gonna like yep. something. You know, it's yep. like the law of averages. Me, I'll have five beats and people like all five. Yep. It's very yep. different. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. No. I mean, and you're you're like the uh, almost like the front man for the duo just out there pushing or no or not really
1: Uh, there was never me and swift it was never a front man because there would be some people that would gravitate to swift and i'll fall to the back like okay you know what i mean it wasn't about who was a leader or anything like that i think i think what was good about me and swift is that when we came when we when we became partners we weren't friends you know what i'm saying so i felt like the beginning of our career we were just Learning each other and figuring each other out, and we just knew that we respected each other so much that it was like, I don't want to step on your toes, or I don't want to do anything to show like I'm showing you up, or anything like that. It was just like that. It was just like a mutual respect because we both could do the same exact thing, but we did different things that made us win. Does that make sense?
0: No, makes a ton of sense.
1: That that that's what made a little different. He's like, Bruce is loud. He comes in, he talks shit blah 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 everybody's laughing having a great time everybody feels comfortable right Mm -hmm. swift is like all right yo yo you like that beat i treat you like that let's get started on that yep it's me i'll be talking all day (laughs) to the artist and get nothing done you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so so it's not just the making music it's just our overall relationship when it came to creating you know
0: yeah no, that makes, uh, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it seemed like the last five minutes are almost like a, a case study in how to ha- be a, be partners. You know, you got to compliment each other and respect each other and,
1: well, you know. I'll give you another example, right? Like, yeah. we had a, we ha- um Sylvia, once everything saw the move, again, everybody started coming to us. Sylvia was the first one. She was like, hey guys, I want to do a label deal with you. I want to give you guys, and um, I want you guys to be my A&Rs. I want you guys to, I want to groom you guys to run black music here because okay. I signed the Clips, but I didn't sign Pharrell, the Neptunes. I signed Missy, but I didn't sign Timberland. So mm-hmm. you guys have proven that you guys have great ears as a and and you have business sense. Like you guys are making really good business decisions, you know, your relationships that, you, that you've made and grown. I think remember she's watched us doing spec work. To, yep we're hanging out with DJs putting records on the radio because that's me. I just, that's what I know. That's what I've been doing, you know? And then Swift has always been the guy who's kind of like in the background with his arms folded, kind of like, I don't know if I should fucking trust you. And he's the white guy. And it's like, you know, he's tall and, you know, kind of big. And it's like, all right, I'm gonna fuck you up type shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's the serious one. I'm the joking one, but it's kind of like, Don't fuck with us, you know what I'm saying? Like we got Mm -hmm. each other's back 1,000%. So it was she watched us. So at one point we had this artist that I was developing. Her name is Demi. She was doing R&B, kind of like a Puerto Rican version of Mary J. Blige. Okay. And I had all these records I never finished. So one day Merlin Bob, he was he was the number two guy under um, Sylvia. He he really was like our mentor at that time too. He was like. Yo guys, I need something. You guys to be bringing an artist and I'm bringing anything. I'm a cut. I'm a to am shut the faucet off. And I was like, you going to stop the money. Uh-oh. Cause mind you, now <laughs> we're not really chasing placements. We got overhead. I got a label. I got money. I'm flowing. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing the things I want to work on, but I'm not developing the artist or bringing in a talent that he asked. So guess what I started doing? I start playing with a bunch of all unfinished fucking records. That I even I'm not even playing Swift because again I never finish anything so I just got all of this music sitting there. Mm-hmm. And Swift's like, like yo, all right Bruce. So we're in this meeting one day, and then he says this and me and Swift look at each other like shut off the money. I start playing him mad, <laughs> mad, <laughs> mad records. And he was like yo, what the fuck is this? I was like oh that's Demi. He's like what's the what the fuck is that? I was just like, rapping in Shakespeare. Oh what's, He's like yo, what's going on? He was like yo. This record right here from this artist finished this record. Guess who finishes it? <laughs> so yeah. it finishes the record. Boom. Boom. Two days later, Merlin's like, yo, Bruce, um, we're going to sign her. Bring her in to your deal. Get the, get the business going. Sylvia comes in. Guys, love the record. Great first artist. Let's go. I'm like, wow. So I learned early, like, don't hold anything. So, nope. Yep. Don't hold shit. Like anything you got whether you don't know. Yeah. And I always knew that Swift could finish it. <laughs> 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 so so I went on a rampage of just playing unfinished music, getting vibes, energy, boom, boom, boom. We opened up our first budget and then Sylvia Rome got ousted. Uh oh So now we're like without a deal. And then boom, so, like fuck what are we gonna do. Yeah. Mind you. I'm playing music for everybody. I'm running around crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I got really cool with an A&R by the name of Rob Tulo. Rob okay. Tulo, who started working with Sirius Radio, and he was under Craig Coleman at Atlantic. When Sylvia got ousted, Craig Coleman calls me. Hey Bruce. Hey, Rob Tulo says, you know, we should really meet. And I was like, I didn't know who Craig Colman was at the time. And I was like, oh, I guess we should meet. So we're gonna meet with him and this literally down the hall. And He's like, hey, you know, we're only going to bring Missy over. We're going to bring a few artists, and we want to bring your artists over with us. Renew your deal, you know, whatever. And then I Mind you, my deal with Sylvia was a real joint venture. So he had to take the same deal. Like, he couldn't give us less. Mm -hmm. He took an artist and then just moved. Now now I'm on Atlantic. Yep. Oh, man. (laughs) With another check and, like... About to learn now. We're now we're in another level because Electric was very boutique. Atlantic Mm -hmm. was very like, is very like super corporate.
0: Yep, it's the it's the Death Star. It's huge. You know you.
1: I just couldn't walk in people's offices and talk shit. I had to learn. I had to switch my demeanor up and and stuff like that. And then um, man, I know we don't got that much time, but um, the way that story started to unfold was. Craig loved that artist. He loved her. He gave me everything. He was like, "Yeah, whatever you want, Bruce. I think she's gonna be the biggest artist on the planet because she was like Cardi B. She's what Cardi B is now. A massive R&B artist that could sing, rap, total
0: package. Total package.
1: Total package. And her mouth was like, "Motherfucker, shit, kick your ass, blah blah blah." And that was in the music.
0: Yep. R&B. Yep.
1: Right? It was like he was like, I love it. This is so raw, but I don't know how to market it. Like (laughs) (laughs) And then um then the merger happened where Lior Cohen came in and Julie Greenwald, Mike Kaiser, Kevin Lyles, they all came in. Julie Greenwald hated my artist. Uh oh. So yo, we sat there for like three years, bro.
0: Nothing.
1: Nothing. Just Spinning our wheels, whatever Rob Tulo left, Craig had to figure out this whole new um, world. He had my back, but it was just like, yo, you know what I mean.
0: He's trying to figure it out too, while well, you guys are getting mothballed. So then, so then you, so you're you're sitting there for three years, then you got to make a move or do something, right? So like, what happens?
1: When I see you, happens, Fantasia. Okay. I was like, Y'all, tired of this rap shit. I fell in love with working with r and artists. I need to get into this r world. All these rap records I'm doing, nothing's coming out. I'm looking like a failure. Like, I'm not hot anymore. I, like, I need to figure some shit out. I'm spending too much time on this label side. We need to figure this shit out. So, cool. We just was like, yo, we started launching the records. We, I leaked. I went to DJ Enough. I leaked my song. My own record, this is the first time I'm admitting it. I leaked the fucking song. It's on Hot 97. It goes into rotation. <laughs> Everything's on fire. Every, yes. Now everybody who's not giving me the love starts giving me the love. Atlantic is, I got the building revved up. Mike Karen, everybody's like supporting me. Blah, 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 whatever. Then the fucking artist, it's been three years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She signed for a year at Atlantic, at, at Elytra. Then, next you know, we got a fucking... Um, we sit there for three years, almost four years, doing nothing. I leaked the record. She starts going fast. She just went through too many changes. She just kind of lost that fire that she had. And I don't blame her. And then, yeah. and then I started. So while, so mind you, while I leaked that record, I'm back to producing. Yep. So I'm not focused on it like how I used to. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, just like how I did with us. I'm like, yo, I can't put too much energy into this anymore. It's killing me. And Swift was spending more time in L.A. So I would, had to learn how to really make R&B records on a higher level. I didn't really know how to do it. So I started working with a bunch of songwriters. I started figuring out how to put all of this together. I was like, oh, we need the songwriters. Okay, cool. We need this. We need that. And I just started figuring it out. I started to realize that I can't engineer every session because there's mm-hmm. too much to do. So I had to hire an engineer. I had the writers the beats i started and then i started to get other producers because again i had an artist so i needed to figure out how to get all of that shit going and with working with her i figured it out and then we were in la and we were hired to work on tori kelly Tori Kelly okay. was like 12 years old at the time so so that's going on in new york i come to la i just implemented all of those same principles yeah. And then I was like, "Yo, get this writer, get that writer." And then in L.A., I saw that I was like, "Oh shit, this is this is where they really make all the R&B records." They're either in mm-hmm. Atlanta or in L.A. No one's really in New York doing this level of music. It's all the rap shit. You you weren't even getting a lot of the pop shit. Everything was in L.A. So yeah. I, so we was in Chalice Studios when it just opened. We were booked at three, four rooms going at the same time. Like I started to learn how to do this shit because while those records are being dumped, I got to keep creating. And then I need somebody else making other records, writing. So we yep. had me in r and and b and I didn't know pop mode, but we were more thinking R&B. Boom. We did the record for Tori Kelly. She gets dropped. We had all of this music. And then like a year later, we're hanging out with Fantasia. We play her the record. She loves it. She goes, I'm going to cut it. When we cut that record, she was with 19 Management at the time. American Idol was the place to be. Next, you know, we did Fantasia. Now we're doing everything on everything on American Idol. All the, you know, there's the 26 contestants that don't make it, but yep. they tour and they make albums and they manage them. We're doing all of it. What? We're just producing all of it, making money. Like we start to realize, like, oh shit, we can actually make money without the records even coming out. And then, you know, we started. We were dialed into system we were figuring it out at this time tony perez isn't um working with us anymore because we just we just we just we became more entrepreneurs you know what i'm saying and we didn't it wasn't Mm -hmm. about money it was just more like a big misunderstanding in certain ways but we learned like we he had to go through something else we had to do something we couldn't we couldn't coexist because he couldn't be he couldn't make a pet project anymore We couldn't he couldn't we outgrew it. Yeah. He had to become a partner of ours. And he couldn't be our partner because I was handling all the business.
0: What would he do, right? You are doing the business.
1: I was yep. doing all the business. And in any move I made, I ran it through Swift. So Swift is having the studio. I'm having the business. So early in the day, we wake up early. We were getting up at 8, 9 a.m. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We're handling yeah. business. We're moving around. Swift is getting up at 12, 1. By the time yep. he's getting up, doing what he got to do, I'm headed to the studio. I'm setting everything up. I'm getting sessions going. I got it moving. Swift comes in the studio by four o'clock. Boom, he's finishing off everything that I started. Now he I'm out. creating. Bruce is in his room. Leave him alone. He's working. He's making music. And then artists are coming in. Rotating and the, the, floor. And the
0: machine is is spinning.
1: We got a system going. We're in L. Yeah. We a. We got we're spending my. My overhead is $20,000 a month. So I got to get these records done so I can make money. And we're placing records and we're making money. We started doing independent artists, building relationships with songwriters that nobody was really fucking with. But we were developing them like Frank Ocean, James Fauntleroy, um, Aaron Bashoek, and, um, and Brandon Creed bringing us Bruno Mars. Like uh, everything that's going on in the city in L.A. is coming to us.
0: Why, now, why do, you, why do you think that was? Like, what did you guys do differently that made you that like, gravitational pull for all that talent?
1: Because our deals were fair. You know? okay. A songwriter would come in. Songwriters didn't get paid. We paid songwriters. We'd be like, yo, Lon, get them some money for working. Boom, paid them. If a producer came in and we worked with them, we gave them the same exact deal that we were doing. You know, we didn't okay. go, you get this. We were like, nah, let's split it three ways you know what I'm saying yep. Yep. we were like structured and our was very very unique and fresh and we were kind of leading a lot of stuff we were like writers would come in and they'd be like what are we doing we'd be like whatever you want to do
0: and they're like wait what
1: <laughs> so, exactly literally we had James James Fontenberg come in the studio write a record in literally like five minutes what mumbling da, da, da. We'd be like, what the fuck is this guy doing <laughs> like all right cool whatever he'll mumble do his thing won't make it make sense and then boom we'll be like all right we'll figure it out we didn't go this is a hit record that won't work blah 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 we'll be like sounds good to me sounds good to me all right and we'll just play the music i'll just yeah yo in a- 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 goes, bruce what you got i'll be like hey jenny's front just these four or five records want to check it out be like yeah boom yo this record crazy i want it for brandy i'm like all right done just allow people to work and do their thing. If something was whack, we will be like, yo, bro, that shit is terrible.
0: Like, yeah.
1: But Swift mixed it, so my ears would be creatively like, yo, Sonic, i will be like, uh, I think the topic is dope. The hook is coming in. I think the melody is dope. Fuck it. And Swift coming come in and be like, or right, I could tighten it up sonically. And then we'll be like, hey, can you add this part or add a tag here or can you tighten up this right here or boom, boom, boom. So literally... Writers would come in and knock out like three, four records in a six-hour time frame. Because we'd have two people going, somebody's writing, doing it, engineers, boom. It was just So people was like, yo, go work with Midi Mafia, go work with Midi Mafia. Yo, and then we went from having like the regular studio, so we went and um, we had Glenn Ballard. Glenn Ballard, he produced songs like Man in the Mirror. He did the whole Jagged, Jagged Little Pill album for, um, what's her name? <laughs> Alanis. Alanis So we rented his house. His house had like two, three studios in it. So again, we were the first ones. Like it was like we had a house, but it was the house had a pool. It was nice. We had a chef. We had had, boom. So people full service.
0: They just want to hang.
1: People come in and hang and eating. There's girls there. Music blasting. Two studios going. New artists. New songwriters. Managers coming in. It was like. It was like a, it was like really, we're walking around in our robes and shit, waking up, walking around in the robes, sit by the pool, talk shit, go for a swim. Engineers there, who's an intern starting out, we just were providing a lot of opportunity and we weren't like stifling it, we was allowing it to just kind of become what it was.
0: To blossom if it made sense. Definitely. If
1: there's a songwriter, he's black, he's a male, and he's gay, where is he going to go work at? You know what I'm saying? So, like, if there was a guy named Sally, He would always tell me, Bruce, I love working with you guys. It's like, I feel like when I get in these sessions, I'm gay. So, all the guys get a little weirded out. But because you guys are cool, they're cool with me. You know what yep. I mean? Like, because I'm telling them to work with him. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yes. oh, he's incredible. He's dope. And then, I'm not gay. But then, he's gay. And he's kissing me on my cheek. And I'm like whatever bro don't fuck with yep. me in front of people you know? <laughs> but we're cool he's my guy you know what i mean yeah we look past stereotypes and all those kind of things and then like people just like being around us yeah We did a lot of opportunity and we did it very fast we didn't sit on anything because we learned a lot i would like make a song yo even wasn't done i'm playing it for people yo, yeah like, what do you think about that and after a while people would be like yo bruce you want a job I'm
0: like, nah, I'm cool. I'm good.
1: Yeah. good. I know I sound like I'm just spitting and ball in, but, you
0: know. No, no, no. I mean, so it, it sounds like, you know, you and Swift are, are moved to L.A. because the goal is, hey, you want to find out how to go to the next level with the R&B stuff, right? But then you create this ecosystem, almost. This is like place where people can come and do things that other people would stifle. And, but also do it in a place that was awesome, the pool, the chef, and, and you make things happen.
1: Yeah, like, we have to do a part two, man.
0: I know we got to do a part two. So.
1: Because that, that's not even all the story.
0: Well, well then why don't we do this? Why don't we, because you, you have a meeting, right? That you got to go to pretty soon? Um,
1: yeah, I got to be there like 1030. So I got okay. to figure out how to Uber. i there. Yep. <laughs> right
0: so then why don't we do this let's let's put a pause on this and and we will do a part two okay. because like we haven't even gotten to the the cool stuff you're doing with made music with like all i mean we're we're only we're only halfway through the bruce wayne tale
1: yeah and uh, yo i didn't tell you about the lawsuit well we okay? get lawsuit swift broke his back <laughs> like, oh no is uh um Publishing deal, um, the Justin Bieber, the Frank Ocean, the um, it's so like the house actually really is when our, star- our story actually really began because we never had any um, we never had any problems we never had any. Um,
0: There's no conflict yet, no conflict. and the story needs conflict. It was
1: like yeah. Yeah, L.A. Alright, cool, figured out, whatever like, it like yeah. figured it out like, you know go to our publisher we need this money like there's no whatever but when we got to the house is when we got hit with you know just the industry
0: thanks for joining us for this episode of the big break to learn more about Bruce and Midi Mafia check out their Instagram accounts which are linked to in the show notes tune in next week when I'll be sitting back down with Bruce to hear about what happened next after he and Swift started working out of Los Angeles you can also check out past episodes, interview transcripts, and more at royaltyexchange.com podcast. That's royaltyexchange.com podcast. And of course, if you'd like to get a free catalog valuation, you can use our brand new Know Your Worth tool. A link will be in the show notes at royaltyexchange.com podcast. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.